Welcome everyone to our featured podcast on thought leadership with Dr. Ray McKinley. Dr. McKinley is an expert on leadership and character development. Let's join the conversation now. Welcome everyone. This is Ray McKinley. Welcome to Ride the Elephant Today, our weekly podcast. And today we're going to talk about something that has been difficult for me to do in my life and something that may be difficult for you to do in yours. And it's my refusal and resistance to forgive. I felt I've been wronged in the past by some things, and I would hold on to that for years and years, and that unforgiveness really caused me to be angry and bitter and hateful. And I just found that I needed to look at that and realize what the cost of unforgiveness had for me. And there's been some people that I've admired over the years that have made some comments about this. I have a couple of quotes I want to start us with today before I invite my son Brian to join in. One of the quotes that really strikes me about unforgiveness and the power of it is Nelson Mandela imprisoned in South Africa. And when he was free, he says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. And I think that's the way it is for a lot of us. We're held in prison by our unforgiveness. And I think that's a very profound statement. I realized after I was able to forgive, I was freed from my prison. So I really can relate to that comment of Nelson Mandela. He was in physical prison. I was in mental prison. And I think Mother Teresa says it well when she says, if we really want to love, we must learn how to forgive. And then Tony Robbins says, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Brian, if forgiveness is a gift you give yourself, and we see the value of it that other people talk about and speak about, and we see it around us when people forgive, why do you think it's so hard to forgive? Well, why is it so hard to forgive? That's a really good question. First, thanks for having me back. It's good to be here, as always. It's been hard to forgive for as long as humans have been around, because this is a topic that's been covered for as long as humans could write and communicate with one another. In the Bible, it's an important concept. Right in the beginning of Genesis, God makes a promise to Adam and Eve of future forgiveness. The story of Jacob and Esau is all about forgiveness, the relationship between those two brothers and Esau's forgiveness to Jacob. And then even later in the Bible, it comes up over and over and over again. The book of Hosea by the prophet Hosea is a really, really wonderful book about forgiveness. But even in the East, in writings attributed to Buddha, he uses the metaphor of the arrow. You know, suffering is like getting shot with an arrow. And unforgiveness is like taking that arrow that you were shot with, taking it out, and then stabbing yourself again with the arrow. It sounds silly, but this is a conundrum that we all deal with. And I think it's hard to forgive for a couple different reasons. Mainly because we are justice-oriented. And to forgive sometimes feels counter to justice. It's in defiance of justice. 
And most of us want to see payback and justice for the wrongs that have been done to us. Also, if you're a victim, many of us every day, we live with the scars of being hurt. So every day for many of us, those things come back up. So forgiveness isn't just a one-time thing. You have to keep doing it because the pain of the past doesn't just go away. It's recurring. So it's difficult because you have to do it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And there's more to it than that. But I think those are the main reasons is we want justice. Mm -hmm. Justice is not something that you necessarily have control over all the time. It's out of your hands. And also the pain is recurring. So therefore forgiveness has to be recurring. And that's hard. You know, it seems like we accept that pain. Sometimes I felt my sadness was so justified and it became my habit. So any thought of not being with that justification that I had every right to be unforgiving, it almost left me empty or without a resource or a vessel for my anger and bitterness and pain. So if I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm in pain, I had to have a reason for it. And of course, the unforgiveness really allowed for that to happen, except there comes a point in time, like Tony Robbins says, the forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves. And that's interesting because he didn't say forgiveness is a gift you give to your perpetrator. Forgiveness is not something that we say, oh, you're off the hook here. I forgive you for what you did. It's not for them. So how is forgiveness more for us than it is for the person that we would think we would need to forgive? Well, again, justice is out of your hands. And I think one of the reasons that people hold on to unforgiveness is because it's this pining for justice. And yet not realizing that you may never see that. So the only way to liberate yourself from that pain is you have to accept the things that you can't control and change the things that you can. Well, I believe, and I know that you believe, that this attitude of unforgiveness versus forgiveness is within the realm of our control. And that's why it is a self-process, because it is within your control. You have the power to do this. You might need a coach. You might need some allies in the process. But it is within your power to forgive. And that's why it's a gift that you give yourself, because it is something that you can control. See, I think we resist forgiveness sometimes because... So many times, if we're angry or mad or bitter about something we're unable to forgive, and oftentimes, if it's another person or situation, we want everyone else to know our yeah. story. So we gin up everybody else's fury by getting them on our side. So when we get people on our side, we're again, more justified because people agree with us, say, yeah, you have every right to feel that way. You have every right to be unforgiving. Yeah, he's a monster. You know, He never should have did that to you. He should be locked up and thrown away the key. And all these things that they get everyone, their friends and their family members all ginned up. Even as an older person, they get their kids worked up about it. And what happens is now 
if you ever come to the realization and have a conversation with a Brian McKinley or Ray McKinley or Tony Robbins or some of these other people who, who have had experiences around unforgiveness and they would say to you, you need to forgive. This unforgiveness is crippling you. And the person well, I can't forgive because they would have to unravel and unpackage all those other relationships that they got to buy into their lament, right. into their bitterness. So to unravel that is a difficult thing to do. So that's another reason that forgiveness is hard to do because we spend so much time having it be explaining who we are. Right. And people understand that we talked about excuses last time. It almost gives us a built-in excuse, you know, for our behavior to be the way it is, for us to be unhappy, for the reason I can't get into another relationship, or the reason I'm angry, or the reason I'm this, or the reason I'm that, is because of this situation that happened. So it becomes the rationale, or the justification, or an excuse sure. for our behavior to continue. Yeah. And it's like, we're going to let that happen for the rest of our life. What does it take for us to break that pattern and say, hey, I got to stop this and I got to stop getting everyone else to go along with me? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you're going to do the forgiveness, it behooves you then to call everybody that you gossip to about that situation and say, oh, hey, just so you know, I changed my tune about that. And then uh, they go, what? What going, do you mean you just? How? That was yeah. so wrong what they did to you. How yeah. can you change your tune about that? You're yeah. a victim here. And yeah. That's a lot of effort that I think is a little too daunting for most. Well, and also when you say that to another person, they probably have a list of people that they have unforgiveness for. Right, right. And And now they have to start saying, well, if you were able to forgive him, now does that mean I have to maybe forgive something that happened to me? Right. You know, it's like, no, 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 I don't want to. Do that. Don't keep my head in the sand. This codependent relationship we've had for us both being locked into this unforgiveness mindset has worked well for our relationship. Now you're changing your tune. What does that mean to me? You know, an example of unforgiveness right off the bat, which struck me was you remember the story? If not, it's a worthy story to go back and look at the nickel mine schoolhouse shooting. It was like 2006. Uh, the small schoolhouse in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. The milkman who delivered the milk to the school and to the community decided to come in with a gun and held all the kids, the teacher hostage, in the schoolroom and ended up killing five children, injuring more, but killing five, ended up killing himself. And what was amazing about that situation, as sad as it was, and as angry as we all could be, and blaming this perpetrator, It was amazing how quick the community forgave him. And they felt very quickly that they had to forgive. They felt it was for their own well-being and for the well-being of the community, they had to forgive. And there's a great movie, if you ever get a chance to look at it, it's called Amish Grace. And one of the women, one of the mothers in that really, really had a hard time to forgive when she lost her child. And their whole community was trying to get her to understand that, you know, if she continued to hold on to this bitterness, it would destroy her too. And uh, it was a great example of this dichotomy that plays out in when to forgive and when not to forgive, or how it's so difficult to forgive, and how some people can and how some people can't. 
So it's really those relationships outside of our friend relationships that can help us forgive, but it also can keep us from forgiving. Mm-hmm. So it can play both sides of the coin. I find that very interesting. That was a fascinating story. And what was so fascinating was how quickly they were able to forgive. Some people say, just forget about it. Just pretend that it never happened. You know, you just got to get over it. You got to forget about it. Life goes on. And the thing that struck me about when I watched the interviews of people who were affected by that situation, they said, no, we are going to remember. And we're going to remember to forgive mm-hmm. and how we forgave. And it gives power to us that we can remember it within forgiveness. If you remember it with bitterness, that's a problem. But if you remember with forgiveness, that's a good thing. Because now you're more aware and you're giving reverence to those loved ones you lost. And you're creating a stronger community because of your forgiveness. So all of those saints are important. You can project outward forgiveness an outward grace and peace, and it might take two, three, four, or more decades for your internals to catch up, but you have to start somewhere. Well, I think that's exactly right. You know, we talk about forgiveness of a perpetrator. I think you can have unforgiveness for yourself. I felt responsible for my brother's death, and as a 10-year-old, I was a very young boy, and, and I could not forgive myself for that. I mean, I was angry, I was bitter, I felt irresponsible. When you said decades and decades, it did take decades and decades for me to be able to come to a point where I could forgive myself and recognize I was doing the very best I could with the awareness at the time and that I'm not in control of those situations, other forces are. So I think it was important for me to be able to release myself from that mental and emotional prism of feeling that I couldn't forgive myself It was very important for me to have that transition where I could. And that's huge. And I think there's been some key beliefs that I've had to transform or transition from unforgiveness to forgiveness. And I'll try these on. And I'm going to give you five of them. And I'll let you weigh in on them. These are the five beliefs that work for me. And I would encourage the listener to refine them to their own liking. Belief number one for me was unforgiveness holds me in bondage. I felt that as long as I stayed stuck in the memory and the emotive feelings of hate, anger, resentment, and unworthiness, it lingered in my mind. And I realized how unforgiveness was doing more damage to me than it was to my perpetrator and how important forgiveness is that frees me from bondage. And I think Nelson Mandela said the same thing. If he wasn't willing to forgive, the release out of prison was not going to release him from bondage. It was the forgiveness that released him from bondage. And I think that's so important. And that's a belief that I took on early on and has helped me be able to process forgiveness. Do you have any comments about that belief? Again, this is like that serenity prayer. You can't stop the arrows from falling on you, but to take the arrow out and stab yourself with it again is completely up to you. Yeah, exactly. You know, the second belief I had, and I really witnessed this with a close friend of mine, and I saw that as long as she was unwilling to forgive and had hold on to the anger and bitterness toward her perpetrator, this perpetrator was stabbing with her arrow over and over again. Every time that she was unable to forgive, every time he talked about it, woke up every morning, 
thinking about it every day. And it's just bitterness and anger. And I saw so much sourness in her face and so much bitterness in her conversation because she was so angry at that person. You know, this happened 20 years ago. And every day you carry this, it's like you're going through the experience again. Something that happened so many years ago, you're still experienced day to day. So I think recognizing that forgiveness releases your perpetrator's hold on you is really an important belief to incorporate. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you have to see that person again and again and again. Yeah, and it throws it right in your face. You know, you are not the person that you were yesterday. And that's true for them, too. They are not the person that they were yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Choose to think that way or not. That is my fifth belief. It ties into this one as well. I'm not the same person I was back then, nor is the person I can't forgive. That is a key belief that I've taken on, and you expressed it so eloquently. The third belief that I have was now that I'm aware of the cost of unforgiveness, I need to forgive myself for holding on to the unforgiveness for so long. That's interesting because sometimes I felt that because I held on to my unforgiveness for so long that I damaged a lot of other people along the way, that my bitterness and the anger would carry it over in my relationships. And I hurt a lot of other people. So then it was like this cascading domino effect of other relationships over and over again that I ended up hurting. And I just had to remind myself I was doing the best I can with the prevailing awareness I had at that time and forgive myself for it. And, you know, I wanted to go back and correct all those damaged relationships that I had had happen over the years. And I did many of them, but many of them, you know, the option was no longer there because they're no longer with us. I'm no longer in a relationship with them. So recognizing that, well, I think was really important. And I think the other thing that I really feel is important belief, the fourth belief I have is I'm not personally responsible for the mistakes of my parents. And I think many of us take on the mischief of our parents. We take on the beliefs our parents have. We take on the prejudices they have. We take on their anger. We take on their unforgiveness. You know, if they've been unforgiveness because of their race or nationality or gender, and they have projected this attitude and unforgiveness onto you for your whole life, you sometimes take that on yourself. And that's really not you. It was your parents, but you bought into their lament and their fury and their anger and their unforgiveness. So you now you're unforgiveness for something that happened in another generation or even multiple generations before. To hold on to that is like really unfair to yourself to do that. Any thoughts about that? You know, there is a bounty of love around all of us all the time, and it doesn't feel that way. We all have a donkey in our life, like Shrek and Donkey. The beginning of the movie, Shrek does not want to accept Donkey's love. And the reality is, though, that there is a donkey in all of our lives that is there and they want to love us. Oftentimes that donkey is a child, our own child, and they will pursue you to the ends of the earth, peeling back the layers of your unforgiveness until you will love them and love yourself. 
And those things go together. Loving yourself and loving the people who are relentlessly pursuing you. So even if you haven't met them yet or you think they're not there, there is a donkey in your life. I'm speaking to the listeners here. Meditate. Think of all the people in your life. There's a donkey in your life pursuing you, wanting your love. You have to turn to that person and start letting them in. Because with love, there's forgiveness. Yes. It's hard to accept love when you're unforgiving. Yes. And you're bitter at the world because the world has been so harsh to you. Yeah. Brian, that's a heavy thought. And I appreciate that. Speaking of the bitterness in the world, one of the things that I ran across here just recently was a quote by Elon Musk. And right now we have this wokeness in our society. Wokeness is a new term. And I've heard a lot of definitions of what wokeness was. And I was struck by Elon Musk's definition of wokeness. And I'm going to read it to you. We talked to you about it earlier. And you had some interesting thoughts and how it ties to love and unforgiveness. Wokeness gives mean people a shield to be mean and cruel, armored in false virtue. <laughs> I love that quote. Read it again. Wokeness gives mean people a shield to be mean and cruel, armored in false virtue. Yeah, I have always felt that this whole wokeness thing is tremendously hypocritical. And that articulates that hypocrisy beautifully. And the world needs more leaders like Elon to call out the BS and help us transcend this entanglement. Because... That entanglement in bitterness is only going to bring us down. And the cornerstone of wokeness is bitterness, is to keep reliving the victimization of the past. And that doesn't do anybody any good. And it doesn't leave room for people to transcend and grow out of the failures of our ancestors and the mistakes of the past. Why can't we forgive that? See, to me, the wokeness has come out of our inability to forgive. Yeah. So why is it so difficult for it's us? this obsession with justice and restitution instead of moving forward and processing injustice on a personal level and with yourself. And, I mean, I understand it because it is hard. I mean, you can think of personal slights that are hard to forgive. And if you have a cultural echo constantly like a feedback loop sending that back to you it's even harder because you're reliving unforgiveness in your own life and then you have a cultural mirror always sending it back to you and it's all on you to break free of that in spite of justice or not there may not be justice there may not be restitution but you can't live under the shadow of that you have to set yourself free. And it's also very trendy to go toe-to-toe, you know? Okay, not to derail the conversation, but I have a point here. But Chris Rock, you know, I've always enjoyed Chris Rock's stand-up. In lieu of recent events, I just am enamored with the man that he was able to instantaneously just say, you know what, these things happen. Yeah, it was a little embarrassing, but like what an absolute professional to handle the situation that he was faced with on national TV. And then to continue to, after the fact, say, you know what, I'm not going to get into litigation. I'm not going to make this a bigger deal than it is. These things happen sometimes. 
He admitted that his joke was maybe in poor taste. That's what comedians do. They roast. He didn't make that excuse. I'm a comedian. I roast people, he said. He made his penitence, and he's moving on. But the world around him doesn't want to move on because right. it's in vogue to be unforgiving. Right. Yeah, and what's happening today is because we have this unforgiveness in the world yeah. at every turn because it perpetuates a narrative that we want the rest of the world to get. So the wokeness is basically communicating that narrative and saying, this is the way it is, yeah. and it's because of this and because of that, which is unforgiveness, unforgiveness, unforgiveness. So now we're justified to take these positions, and we're justified to call you out on that position. Yeah. And Elon Musk is saying, this is armored in false virtue. Yeah. And I think armored in false virtue, that really, really is a great line. Yeah. When I read that this morning, I just said, wow, that's a strong statement. And I have spent a lot of my life armored in false virtue. Mm. I understand what that is. And transitioning from that false virtue to a different place, going from the false virtue on the one side of the dichotomy to a more truthful virtue, forgiving virtue, on the other side of the dichotomy, has served me very well. And has served a lot of other people very well like a Nelson Mandela and a Tony Robbins and a Mother Teresa and an Elon Musk. And this is what they're saying, you know. It's like, I think of this word virtue, I love the word virtue, and, and you don't hear it a little too much in society today, but it's become more vogue to talk about virtue signaling. Yeah. Which is really this false- False virtue. False virtue that he's talking about that we first- Because true virtue is done in secret, yeah. behind the scenes and on an interpersonal level. Yeah. True virtue is forward thinking. Yeah. True virtue is not getting entangled in the past. For sure. You know, I gotta get these out because I think they're important because I think one of the things we talk about as we look at transitioning from this unforgiveness side of the dichotomy to a forgiveness side of the dichotomy, I think there's some precepts that we all can bring about in our life. It's like an internal thing, Brian. It's something we do on the inside. Yeah. And these precepts are really not wokeness from the standpoint of this is what you need to do and this is what you need to do and this is the reason. This is what I will do and what I have done for myself. And I'll throw out all five of them and let you comment on the ones you feel you would like. But one of my precepts that I live by is I will be patient and tolerant and accepting of others. When I see mischief in people, I often wonder what significant emotional event happened in their lives that would cause them to have such an unhealthy, reprehensible behavior. I just wonder, and I'm curious, and I want to ask questions. And it's not that I'm really critical of it. I'm just curious about it because obviously it's there. So what has led to this? My third one is I will forgive others in advance of their mischief. And that's Chris Rock. You were talking about him. So what I did is I practiced premeditated forgiveness. What I saw on stage with Chris Rock was he practiced premeditated forgiveness. Yeah. He forgave Will Smith as soon as he did it. He had no intention of going in any other direction. Yeah. Because we all make mistakes. I make mistakes. I would like people to cut me a little slack. I'm going to cut him a little slack because I've done something just as stupid as he just did. Yeah. Totally. So premeditated forgiveness is saying, hey, 
that's all right. You got a little angry, got a little upset, something said. Yeah. Throw it at me. It's not all right, but I have premeditated and I'm going to forgive you. For right. Your and he did. Yes. And the other thing is, this is the big one. You and I yeah. have talked about this too before. I would rather be in a relationship than be right. And sometimes I'm justified to not forgive. And yeah. that's costing me in my relationship. So I'd rather be in relationships than be right. So if forgiveness helps my relationships, that's what I'm going to do. And the fifth one I use, and I kind of alluded to it just a minute ago, we all make mistakes. I will forgive others as I would want others to forgive me. Mm. And I need a lot of forgiveness. Sorry, guys. I need a lot of forgiveness. I make mistakes like all of us. I've slapped people in the face metaphorically many times, and I need their forgiveness as well. So your thoughts about those precepts, Brian, or any other ones that might come to you as you listen to those five of mine? Yeah, it's a real devil presents you with a situation where you act out or lash out, and then they hold that over you for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it doesn't have to be that way. And it's just a personal decision to have that premeditated forgiveness. That's a really cool expression, premeditated forgiveness. That is forgiveness in advance. I mean, talk about being armored against a, a world that is just savage. You know what really helped that term for me, Brian? I never heard that term before, but I've had a lot of premeditated unforgiveness in my life. Okay? Yeah. I know what premeditated unforgiveness is. Did me and my brothers teach you that? Yes. The most? <laughs> and your own brothers? Yes. <laughs> That's the habit. And premeditated unforgiveness has been a part of my life. So when I started to think, I'm going to practice premeditated forgiveness instead. And it was a huge thing. And it's basically turn the other cheek. Yeah. And I think it's important because there's benefits to forgiveness. And I think it's important that we recognize some of these benefits and have a conversation about them because they benefit us and others. And hate, bitterness, anger, resentment. When you forgive, you replace those with peace, contentment, and joy. Mm -hmm. These negative emotions that you have as in hate, bitterness, and anger just seem to diminish in time when you start forgiving. They go away. And there's a benefit to that because it's better to be in a place of peace and a place of joy and a place of love than a place of anger, hate, bitterness, and feeling unlovable toward others or not having love feelings for other people. So I think the other thing that happens, the benefits of forgiveness is it reduces stress. To keep all the vitriol going on in your mind, spinning around, it's hard work. There's no need to keep score. There's no need to convince others of your justification for your hate and anger and rejection. So it really releases stress. And many, many studies have shown that stress from unforgiveness is a huge health issue for people. Mm -hmm. And all they have to do is go look at the effects of stress on your heart and on your emotional well-being. And there's articles and articles and articles and recommendations, hospital recommendations to the person making the inquiry about the benefits of reducing your, having unforgiveness in your heart and how it's better for your health. And I think that's very important. And I want to be healthy, so it doesn't do me any good to hold on to unforgiveness. 
so those are some of the benefits of forgiveness. Any other thoughts you have about the benefits of forgiveness, Brian? I mean, you've nailed it. And I'm actually reading a book about that right now, about trauma and post-traumatic stress and the physical effects that trickle down from the brain. And it can be very debilitating for people who have experienced serious trauma. And neither of us are saying that this is easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it is essential. Mm -hmm. And it may take decades, but any therapist worth their salt is going to echo these same sentiments that you must for your own health, for your own well-being, for your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, you have to start taking steps in a new direction. And that direction is forgive. Can't forget. You're not gonna forget, but you can forgive. And you can love the next person. And the next person isn't going to traumatize you the way that the last person did. So you don't have to treat them with that defensiveness. You can welcome them in. The other benefit that you have for forgiveness is that your new relationships that you now are going to bring into your life will have more. They're unfettered. Yes. Yes. The benefit of forgiveness is that your new relationships will be unfettered by your past. Yeah. Which is difficult. And you said that people are jaded by their past. Yeah. Well, they're jaded because they're unforgiving. And I think that's huge. Yeah. In order for you to be totally able to accept the love of a new relationship and give the love in the new relationship is to not have this albatross hanging over you of unforgiveness. One of the things that happens, I think people who go into relationships might not know why they say, I don't know about this relationship. It just might not be working out. I don't know. I mean, I like the guy or I like the girl, just not working out. But I think if they really learned more, they would say that we have this sense of reading in a person if they have an unforgiving heart. It doesn't take too long for you to figure out that the person has an emptiness in their soul from an unforgiving heart. And we have a tendency in those situations to maybe back away from that. Unless, of course, we're going to be in a codependent relationship with that person and lament our unforgiving stories together, which is not a basis for a healthy relationship. Yeah. So if you really want to be in a relationship with somebody who's got a very giving, loving, forgiving heart, you have to be very willing to have a forgiving heart in order for you to invite those relationships in and in order for them to mature with you. Yeah, to live by the principles that you listed there earlier will drive the unforgiving people away and will draw the lighter, optimistic, more graceful people to you because like attracts like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I believe that. Yeah, and a lot of times it's so subtle. It's almost subconscious. Yeah, it's almost like you can't articulate it. You know, we're trying to articulate it today here and we've given our best shot at it but we all need to consider that and like you said brian a lot of it is just an unconscious awareness that we have a sense that needs to be fulfilled that we're safe in this environment we're safe with this person we trust this person 
and a person who has premeditated forgiveness in their heart is somebody you can trust. Yeah. There's no question. The about greatest it. treasures in life are invisible. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a heavy thought, and I think the reader's going to have some things to consider here, and that's what our goal is, and I hope they do. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you at ray at raymckinley.com. We hope to get back with you on our response. And in the meantime, thank you for joining us for Ride the Elephant today. Thank you, Brian, for being the guest again. Thank you. And we will see you again next week for another episode. Have a great day. Dr. Ray McKinley is a speaker, author, and coach. In his new book, Ride the Elephant, The Journey to True Success, Dr. McKinley addresses the crisis in personal leadership and what you can do about it. Thank you for joining us today. Your feedback is important to us, and we'd like to hear from you. Email your comments and questions to ray at raymckinley.com. Join us next week for another informative podcast with Dr. Ray McKinley. Have a great week. 